Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Brain Fart. If you're new here, welcome. Thank you for joining us. If you're coming on back, hello, welcome back. We're in for another rousing episode of of talking about health and things related to that in the broadest of terms. <laughs> so let's let's just get started, shall we? So last week, if you didn't listen to the podcast, if you didn't, you better go listen to it now. Kidding. Do what you want. Make your own choices. Um, but to kind of catch you up, if you didn't, or if you didn't need a recap, last week we talked about ableism, and I gave the example of inspiration porn as one of those sectors of ableism. Um, there's lots of TED Talks on these matters that are more eloquent than I, so I recommend going to listen or watch them. They're very quick, they're very short, and the people are experts. And I am not. I am just a person who has experience, and like I said, and like I will continue to say, I do not speak for the entire health or disabled community. I am purely speaking from my own experience and from what I have been through and gone through and what I think on these things. So I, these aren't any legal disclaimers. I mean, maybe they are, but they're basically just me disclaimers because I don't want anyone to think that I have the authority or the one voice to speak for these people because I don't. And those, those are just the facts. So I say that, and then I also need to bring up the fact that I am indeed a hypocrite. Yes, yes, people, it is I a hypocrite. Because while I was telling you about making resources available and doing everything you can to make this an accessible world, I realized brain fart is not, in fact, accessible to all people. So I have been wanting to have transcriptions of these episodes to make available for people online to read, uh, for people who can't listen or struggle with listening, all of the above. Um, unfortunately, it is very time consuming or an expensive process. Obviously, these are no excuses. I'm not like, well, I have good reason not to, because in the end, like, I can do it. I should do it, because that's the whole point. Um, but they are factors. They are factors in why I haven't done it thus far. So starting now, I will be slowly but surely transcribing the episodes, and I'll probably make a blog site to post them on and make them available to as many people as possible, like a, a Blogspot? Is that what that's called? Something along those lines to be viewed and read for free, obviously. <laughs> I'm not going to start making you pay for the content now. So with that all in mind, I do, I really apologize. This feels like a major faux pas on my part, and I will start trying to live up to what I preach. And, and that's that. So now that we have that out of the way, Let's go on to this week's episode. This week, I want to tell more of my side of the ableism story, as well as maybe dig into some of the systematic oppressors linked to ableism. I don't know if we'll get to that today, because I'm sure I will go on a rant about my own things, but we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. We'll see how it plays out together, and let's get into it. 
to start, I actually want to bring up something that happened last week after I was talking to my parents about inspiration porn and kind of telling them what my topic for last week was. We were just having conversation and I was catching them up. And a few minutes after our discussion, a Shriners Hospital commercial came on and they asked and my parents, not Shriners Hospital, um, my parents asked me, aren't those, aren't those kids inspirational? And this question really hit me and made me question what I had been saying and learning. And I, of course, never, ever, ever want to belittle the accomplishments of disabled people or discredit the pride that they may feel for doing something that felt impossible for them to do under their current circumstances. I have no intention of doing this especially since I cannot personally sympathize with every disabled person. All of this being said, I know the road to hell is paved with good intentions, and if any of my disabled listeners think I am speaking out of turn, please, please, please feel free to contact me. Um, you can email me at brainfartpodcast at gmail.com, or you can... I forgot all the platforms I'm on. Oh, on Instagram, Brain Fart Podcast, you can direct message me. Or on Facebook at Brain Fart Podcast, you can just, I, I'm messenger, message, messenger, message me. Um, and I will get back to you as soon as I possibly can, which is usually fairly quickly. Um, so we can talk that way. I don't really know how, I'm probably not going to give my phone number out, but if someone is dying to reach me and can't reach me that way, I'm sure we will find a way to talk and discuss and figure it all out. So that that is all my contact info if you really want to reach out. If not, n- no need. No, no worries. No problem. So as I've said before, I am learning and trying my best to educate myself and listening to every perspective is extremely important to me. So if you have your own perspective, well, <laughs> duh. You di- of course you have your own perspective. Everyone, everyone has their own perspective. Okay, let's just continue on <laughs> with our conversation. With all this in mind, after talking with my partner, Martin, uh, who is able-bodied, we kind of came to this idea, and I will preface this by saying that this is just an example we came up with that we are interested in unpacking for ourselves. And so the example is... If a person that lives with a wheelchair wanted to go bungee jumping, so why would some people see a video of that and consider it inspirational? So people may find this inspirational for them because this is a, quote, once in a lifetime opportunity for them, end quote, or quote unquote, it's something that a person in a wheelchair would never regularly have the chance to do. And so we looked to unpack this further by questioning why is this a once in a lifetime opportunity for them? And so I guess if you look closer into it, realize that it is because nearly every facet of life for able-bodied people is not prepared to provide those same opportunities for disabled people. So I guess I'm saying disabled people aren't just inspirational just for existing. This can this can serve to one dimensionalize disabled people and disabled people are like everyone else in the fact or in the way that they have complex emotions and feelings and personalities. And I think, oh, that was an interesting intake of breath. Um, And I feel the main difference between an abled and disabled person is that the disabled person lives in a system that doesn't necessarily serve them. And so I think. So I think a disabled person fighting against a system that doesn't work for them 
and actively works against them isn't inspirational in the way able-bodied people want it to be. It's unfair that they should be going through something like that in the first place. So accessibility should be a given everywhere, not something that people beg for to function comfortably. And to put this all in simple terms, disabled people are more than their disability. There. (laughs) That's your headline, folks. And so, as I said before, disabled people are not a monolith. They are not all the same. And I am not the spokesperson for all disabled people. Just mentioning that again, in case, in case we forgot it from when I said it six minutes ago. So now on to something that I probably have more authority to speak about, which is my own personal experience. Last week, if you listened to the episode, I talked about not knowing whether I was quote unquote disabled enough to be a part of the community. And after I was doing some more research, I came across a comic on New Zealand's human rights webpage about challenging ableist attitudes towards disabled young people. And one of the sections that really caught my attention was their discussion of disabilities being misinterpreted as a clear-cut binary. It's, this blew my mind. Instead, it's a, it's a far bigger spectrum, and I think this really comforted me in knowing that I don't need to fit into a certain box to be allowed into the disability club. I don't say this to compare disabilities and say one is worse than another. I just bring it up to show that they come in different shapes and sizes, as cliche as that sounds. And while this was an important personal discovery, it also led me to some other realizations. So as you know, or maybe some of you don't know, I'm 22, 23 in a couple of weeks. That is very young, and I realize this, but it doesn't discredit my experiences. So I say this, because one of my biggest obstacles I faced when getting a diagnosis and that I still face today is the intersection of ableism and ageism. Lots of ism words today. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard the phrase, you're young, this should be no problem for you, or you're so young, you shouldn't be in this much pain, or this tired, and so on and so forth. These phrases have always really upset me, because instead of standing up for myself, I would often just punish myself with thoughts of why me, or why can't I just have a normal body, quote, quotes around normal, instead of realizing that I do not need to explain myself to strangers or honestly even family members if I don't want to. And it interests me that the first place I go to is how can I continue to appear normal and power through the pain instead of asking why aren't my teachers accommodating my illness or why aren't my doctors doing more to help me instead of writing it off as a low pain tolerance. And I have had many experiences where my pain was questioned in a hospital setting. And I'm about to talk to you about them all. So here we go. Even when I was searching for my first diagnosis of, I guess, like a big diagnosis with the IIH, um, I, uh, I forgot about what I was talking about. Okay. Even when I was searching for my first diagnosis, kind of my big diagnosis with IIH, I had a doctor insist on giving me a psych consult. 
instead of acknowledging the fact that I could have idiopathic intracranial hypertension, even though that's where all my symptoms were pointing to. And I'm not bashing anything like a psych consult or mental health because that's a very real thing. But most, if not all of my symptoms were pointing to IIH and she still refused to think it was that just because a handful of patients diagnosed were above the age of 40. So that was kind of the bracket age where you fell into when you had IIH. And so many people believed that it couldn't be possible for, God, was I 19? A 19-year-old to have it. And so that was kind of my first experience with that. And now I'll talk about my most recent one. So the last two times I've been to the hospital, my symptoms have been chalked up to stress or even IIH or my brain disorder. And so that's really frustrating because little did they know, I know what it feels like to live in my body with IIH. And in turn, I know when something doesn't feel right or feels different. But those things are never considered. That's just my paranoia speaking or the pressure of college or grad school. Well, joke's on them because the first visit, after a lot of pushing and self-advocation and honestly some tears because it gets hard sometimes to have to stand up for yourself constantly when you're alone, I was diagnosed with viral meningitis. So much so that one of the other doctors didn't think I had it, even though the neurologist on staff did my spinal tap, did it for me, and my levels were in that area, but they were so on the cusp that one of the doctors was like, mm, I don't think it's that. And she was like, no, I think it is. And so we're going to give her medication. And good thing they did because I had it and then I was better. <laughs> and so that was the first instance. The second hospital visit eventually led to a diagnosis of a herniated or slipped disc in my lower spine. And that was after convincing them many times that it wasn't just my psychological trauma from hitting my coccyx three years ago. It was actual pain that I was feeling in that moment. And I bring up these instances because I think they highlight the fact that due to my age or perhaps gender, but that's a whole different discussion, my symptoms were discredited or even using the diagnosis of IIH, which they so reluctantly gave me before, as an excuse, as if I don't know what it feels like when I'm having a brain episode versus having a slipped disc in my spine. And I know, I know you're asking yourself, Maddie, this sounds more like ageism than ableism, but my friends, they are intersecting. Maybe these next examples will tie them together a bit better. I think they will. Okay, here we go. I'll talk about my eyesight issue. There we go. Let's do that. And loud noise issue. Let's talk about those two things. After my diagnosis, my eyesight started to deteriorate a bit. Yeah, started going. I couldn't really focus my eyes, all that stuff. And I've had perfect, perfect. I've had 20-20 vision my entire life. I've never needed glasses or contacts. That's never really been an issue for me. And... So I had to get reading glasses after my diagnosis. And it took many tests and a fair, a fair bit of convincing my ophthalmologist to prescribe reading glasses to me or just tell me what kind of reading glasses I need. And he was so reluctant because he, he said, quote, young people think they need reading glasses and they never do. And that always struck me a little bit because it, literally took fluid pressing on my optic nerves for him to consider giving a young person reading glasses. And that just feels, just feels wrong to me that that had to be the one time he was considering giving someone 
something that could help their eyesight. And I don't know, I'm not an ophthalmologist. Maybe that's the complete truth, but that didn't quite sit well with me. And not only with this example, but with others and from my own family members, I remember, oh yeah, I remember a 4th of July. It was, oh no, okay, I can't remember the year. Why am I, why am I trying to remember the year when it literally has no significance? But it was, let's just say it was pretty soon after my diagnosis, probably the summer after my diagnosis. There, let's, let's go with that. And when the fireworks started going off, I'll never understand fireworks. I am completely against them with my whole being. That's a controversial thing to say, but those are the facts in my heart. So when these fireworks started going off, I realized uh, that I would probably never enjoy fireworks again. Shocker, shocker, I don't. Uh, Because of the bright flashes and these horribly loud bangs. And basically when this started, I remember I had to excuse myself and run inside to a safe place so I didn't like have a brain episode there or start freaking out in the middle of this party. Um, And I remember family members thinking I was just being dramatic and that I couldn't have, it couldn't have been that bad and that I should be enjoying them because I was young and free and, and yay. (laughs) And yeah, that just was not my reality and is not my reality. And I know family members question this and friends question this. And this is, this even presents itself when I go to bed early. My family members and friends can't and couldn't and can't and won't understand why I need to go to bed so early. Um, and honestly, a lot of times it was just because I'm tired or I was tired. But also it's just to take a break from people and the stimuli. And people call me an old woman and they're like, oh, haha, granny's going to bed. And I laugh along with them. But I carried and I carry this like sliver of guilt with me when I leave a party or when I have to excuse myself because I feel like I'm missing out or I'm not doing what I need to be doing and I need to be entertaining people and hanging with people. When in reality, it's like I... To have better experiences when I'm with them, I need to take time away from them to make that better instead of trying to stretch out my time with them and give them poor, poor quality time. It's quality, not quantity. That's what I was looking for. Wow, I just had the longest description of literally the phrase quality, not quantity. So there we are. Getting back to the topic, these are just a few examples of what I've dealt with after being diagnosed. And honestly, they don't seem like that big of a deal at first, um, but I started to question why I always needed to justify myself or explain why I needed things to people. And it's because what I was doing or needing didn't fit into their norm. And instead of accepting it, I was interrogated until I could come up with an answer that satisfied them. And I know these examples pale in comparison to what others deal with, but if that's the case, that is not okay. (laughs) We should be doing better. And I think, I think that's where I'm going to stop it today. I'll just leave you with, we should be doing better. (laughs) And I know I didn't get to every topic. I knew it too. I was reading my notes in the beginning and I was like, okay, maybe I'll get to talking more about 
the systemic <laughs> systemic issues but you know we didn't get to it yet again because I am me and I like to talk and I don't want to bombard you with a horribly long podcast because unless that's what you want I guess if that's what you want freaking email me and let me know because sure I'll do it I just don't want to bombard you with these kind of heavy topics because you know it's nice to get in small doses let you think about it more uh, yeah, so I didn't get to every topic I wanted to talk about today, but, uh, you know, I was on a roll, and that's what I was doing. So, thank you for listening to my stories and my perspective. I greatly appreciate it. Yet again, I will bookend this podcast by saying mine is not the only perspective worth listening to, and it's not the only perspective. And hopefully by next episode, I will have more for you to explore in regards to other people's perspectives. And I'm going to try and find some resources. And if you have resources you really like or people you really like or, um, I guess, influences, in, influences, influencers who you enjoy reading about or seeing, send them over so I can check them out. And maybe I'll I'll do a blast on brain fart. Um, <laughs> do a blast on brain fart. Okay. Okay, we know. When when the fart jokes come out, we know it's we know it's time to go. So, on that note, uh I will let you guys go. I hope you have a wonderful whatever time it is wherever you are, and I will talk to you in 2 weeks. Oh, and I'll be back in London in 2 weeks. I go back this weekend. Yay, exciting things. Super crazy. Yay. Okay, so all of those things that I said before, goodbye. <laughs>